Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hang Up. That's right, I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork, it changed my life. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Listen to Hang Ups on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a call from an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. My name is Phil Chalmers, and I'm a serial killer profiler. How many murders are you responsible for? 36. 47 and 52. I found Sister Killer. I want to see him face to face. Listen to Where the Bodies Are Buried, a true crime podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts live from the dream hotel in hollywood california this is lips la on dash radio hey guys what's up you listen to Lips LA Radio. I'm Scott Lips. I'm here with my co-host Jen today. Jen, what's going on? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. And we're, we're a man that needs no introduction, Mr. G. Easy. Thanks for coming in so last minute, bro. It's awesome. Wow, man. It's always good to see you. Great to see you, too. I really appreciate it. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. I'll make sure you get to dinner because it's important. And, that, uh, is, that is important. <laughs> it's important. Um, and, and you guys know each other because I think, Jen, you actually did G's first interview like back One in the, the day. One of the first, like what, 2013? Yeah, that, was, that was really early. I it mean, you guys like, were some of the first people to reach out and show love. That was like, you know, Ski was a big supporter like really, really, really early on and still is to this day. Awesome. Well, I'm really, really happy to have you. There's a lot to get into. Take us back to the beginning, brother. You're from Oakland or Berkeley? Just Oakland and Berkeley. I grew up in both cities, back cool. and forth. My grandma's in Berkeley. My mom's in Oakland. And then the name, right? Jeezy, yeah. like young Gerald. But like, were there other names? Me and Jim were talking about it. Were there names that <laughs> yeah, didn't make was it? Like, or something? What? There was, like, they, yeah, there was one generic. Uh, that was that was it, generic. I don't believe and that. Th- it, thankfully, that didn't it. stick. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> young generic. No, it was not. It was not. Like, that would have been a good name, but yeah. So what? What? You know, tell me the meaning behind your name, right? Like, how did I mean, you? Not, not really just a meaning. It was just, uh, you know, just like a combination of, you know, my initials GE. Um, my middle name's Earl, Gerald Earl, and I was named after my two grandfathers. So naturally, as a kid, I was like, you know, hated those names. So I thought they were like old people names, you know. Right. And so I went by my initials, just GE, when I was a kid for a long time before I like, you know, started going by Gerald. So it was one of my older friends, like somebody I had known, you know, forever and ever. And it was I was I don't know, like thirteen, and he started calling me GEZY. And that just kind of stuck. So, and yeah. was that at the time? Because you started producing records early on. Was it was that- around the time I started making beats. Cool. I started like writing raps and stuff. I didn't know how to like, 
write songs or count bars or like structure anything. I was just like, my notebooks in class were more so filled with, you know, my little raps instead of notes I should have been taking or whatever. And that's just really how it started. I was like making beats after school. And uh, when you say I making beats, my notebook. Did you have like a rolling drum machine? What were you nah, using? Nah, nah, it was Reason at the time. Yeah, somebody had, had like installed Reason on my computer, like giving me their copy of it. And I was just trying to figure it out, like learning how to program drums and, you know, like, again, the same thing in terms of counting bars and structuring songs. I didn't know, like, you know, the difference between a chorus and a verse and a bridge and an intro and an outro and like learning all these fundamental things. Yeah. But, you know, teaching them to myself at 13, 14, 15. Who are you yeah. listening to at 13, 14? Because obviously you're making yeah. beats. So were you listening to, to kind of get inspired? Yeah. Mac Dre, E-40, Too Short, Mr. Fat. These are like pillars of Bay Area culture. Yeah. You know, independent Bay Area rap music. But then, you know, on a bigger scale, it was obviously, you know, Dr. Dre dropped 2001, I think when I was in like either fifth or sixth grade. So that record had such a huge impact on my like youth. Yeah. I mean, that album was just like a classic. Obviously, Eminem, 50 Cent was the biggest thing in the world at the time. Cool. Um, yeah, man, the early, mid 2000s. Man. That's what did it for you, right? Yeah. And you were start. did you have GarageBand or you just used it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was doing the beats and reasoning and I was doing my vocals in GarageBand. Cool. Yeah. That's do funny, they still make that? Does that come on computers? I, I think I so. It does. Does it? But yeah. it's weird because it disappears every once in a while. You know, so I, I don't think they want you to use I, it. I don't <laughs> like have, I mean, I have like, like a laptop, but I don't think I've opened it in like a year and a half. I don't music. have any use for like me personally. Like right. like when I do songs now, I go like to my engineer's studio, my producer, Dakari, who I like make everything with. Yeah. And if I'm like co-producing with him, you know, it's his hands on the computer and I'm like pacing around the room, like suggesting stuff that I hear and whatever. And occasionally I'll like, you know what I'm saying, dust it off and like, Check roll up out. my sleeves and get back to it. But uh, quite honestly, like I don't use a computer for anything anymore. It's weird. It's like, not even to surf the net or anything? You know? Not really. No. I have my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so at 13, was that kind of when you were like, I think I want to do this for a living? This I, seems absolutely. like- Absolutely. Okay. And it was like a overnight kind of thing that Amazing. once I fell in love, I fell hard. Amazing. And, and I think people should know you have three albums out. You got actually a, a People's Choice Award for Best Hip Hop Record, literally after yeah. only having three albums out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only four years into your record cycle, which is pretty right. incredible. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Much respect. But let's take it back to the beginning again. So you started out, you have your computer, you're on Reason, you're doing mixtapes then? Or did you yeah. join your, because I know you joined a, a group <clears throat> then, the Bay Boys. So <laughs> was that before or after? Yeah, when? that was around then. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't really start like, I, I thought I wanted to be like a Dr. Dre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody more behind the scenes, more like, you know, I loved making beats more than I really loved like the spotlight or like being the guy. And then I moved to New Orleans when I was 18. And that kind of like that, that, you know, I, if I wanted to keep doing music, it was going to be like a solo thing because sure. the, the kids I grew up with and all that were like still, you know, back home, you know yeah. what I mean? In Oakland and Berkeley and not like, you know, so it was just like for the first time I was completely on my own. You know what I'm saying? I moved into the dorms and that whole experience of just like... In New Orleans? You were in the dorms? Yeah, New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> and like moving out of your mom's crib, like right. and into a dorm and you're like... 
yo, I can go out tonight. And I don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm not getting in trouble. I can get drunk. I can be out here. Yeah. I can do whatever. Like your mom is super supportive too. Cause I've seen like supportive. movies when she's like all, she's so behind you, which is so yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause I told my parents when I was 17, I was going to be a rock star. And they're like, what? what do you mean? You're moving to LA? <laughs> yeah. 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 What? So. And I mean, it's a crazy thing to, you know, like it's, it's a dream that I think millions and millions and millions of kids have, you know, whatever genre of music you grew up around and were drawn to, there's an allure, right? There's like a sexiness of like, I want to go be a rock star. I want to travel and tour buses and live this crazy life. And it's like, I mean, I can't imagine as a parent, it's like, it's a one in a billion chance it's going to happen for you. And, and it's like, even if it does, it's a crazy lifestyle that comes with it. So I can't imagine how, how like, hyped my mom was when your, I was like your mom's got to be pretty hyped know, right now right yeah she's pretty hyped right now she's she got can, she's she got the records her feet up on and she can smoke all her weed she wants to and she <laughs> just relaxes and your first big break was would you say like Lil Wayne and Snoop Dogg were those kind of your first working I, I, with those guys that's like the what they say that's Wikipedia I don't know there wasn't like um like a break right really it was just like you know a lot of artists come out and it's like all of a sudden like zero to a hundred and it's like they get a song to like just goes viral and then it goes to radio and it does well at radio and then all of a sudden a year ago they were like working this job or like broke or like whatever like at home normal like just dreaming about this and then now they're like you know playing these sold out shows across the world yeah like festival billings and you know huge checks and i can't sometimes i'm much more grateful that it didn't happen to me that way because like that that that's so life altering totally. to imagine going zero to a hundred that fast for me it was like you know I, I, my first tour was like you know playing for like 150 people 200 people in these small little hole in the wall venues and then next time six months later we were playing for 500 people yeah like and then it was a thousand tickets and then it was two thousand tickets and it's like i didn't go from you know this yeah you that, built that it fast. do yeah, you remember your slow. first gig at all yeah how was um, that was that petrifying or because you were used to being behind the scenes were you petrifying like, petrifying and uh when i booked it i was like i was like yeah yeah for sure so sure, yeah and in my head i was hella nervous because i knew like eventually one day i would wake up and it would be that day on the calendar that right. i would have to perform that night yeah. and i didn't know how i was gonna do it and i was like i know i want to be an artist and to that's like a main part of the job description Definitely. is to perform. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, you're gonna have to get over this. You can't be an artist and not perform unless you're <laughs> right. a producer, right? So. Yeah. So, how many people were at that first gig? Uh, probably like 100 people, 150, okay. 200 people. So it wasn't like 10. Nah, nah, you know, but it was, you know, I was, I was like scared shitless. And then when I walked on stage, I remember like something came over me when my sole of my shoe touched that stage and I walked out and felt that vulnerability of like, I felt so alive because yeah. it's like, it's there. It's in the present. You are on stage with a microphone in front of people, real people, and you're doing your thing. And like, I don't know, I blinked and it was over and I got off stage and it was like, I was like so hard in love that I never wanted to stop. Like, you're like, this is what I'm doing the rest of my rest life. rest of my life, yeah. I just knew. So was it, go ahead, Jen. Do you have any, uh, well, it's, Interesting to me because sometimes artists still tell me that they still have like that, uh, like the nerves and stuff and the excitement when they get on. What are your pre-show like rituals to like just calm you down or right before you get on stage? I need like just a couple minutes alone. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes like to be completely honest, like you know this, like the tour life is like you're like traveling in this really tiny space, whether it's a van or a bus. 
you know, compare that to like an apartment. Imagine totally. having 10 roommates in like a uh-huh. 100 square foot apartment. <laughs> I mean, like. People always think it's glamorous, but it's, it's not. some of it's not. And yeah. it's like, it's very like, it can become overwhelming in the sense of you don't have no time alone. Yeah. Like, you're, you're like, your boys are always there. Your team's always there. It's like, and like, I just, just like, just get my mind right before going on stage. I just need a little bit to just. By yourself, yeah. Just by myself to breathe. And then like, um, <clears throat> you know, a shot of whiskey. Shot of whiskey. Or, well, you got your own whiskey. So yeah. You're drinking your own whiskey. <laughs> yeah. See what we're, I did there. Good lead. We're, we're definitely going to get into that. Your, your first album you put out, and it actually went to the charts, number three on an independent label. And that's also pretty unheard yeah. of. Like, how did that feel without even having a major behind you? Because that's not really hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of unique too, right? No, nah, I mean, like, especially in hip hop, like we put so much pressure on sales and first week sales and what was first week numbers and all that. But it's like, it's true because it's a sense of validation of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It means there's actually people on the other side. You know, you spend so much time like dreaming about it, doing it like, and you have to really create it in your head because like you're, you're creating something that doesn't exist yet. You have to believe in yourself for anybody else does. And you have to have the confidence of like being a star, but in real life, you walk outside, you're not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But when you put it out and it sells, it's like, oh, like shit, like it's working. That's but crazy. what was the first time that you noticed, hey man, people are still, people are definitely digging on like, were you walking down the street at some point? People started coming up to you and they were just like, hey man, I love what you do. At what point did you realize, I think it's connecting with everyone everywhere? Was it your fir- right before your first record or when you started like playing the clubs initially? Yeah, probably one of like my first um, real, like real, real shows. Um, I used to play this venue called The New Parish in downtown Oakland. And I probably played it like 25 times at this point. But like oh. one of my first shows there was like super, super, super duper sold out with a line on the block. And I remember pulling up to the venue for the show that night and seeing that and like everybody screaming and being like, whoa, like this is crazy. This is what's you know? up. And, and I mean, in retrospect now, it's like, a you know, it's a smaller venue. It's not that, yeah. you know, big of a thing, but everything's relative to where you are at that time. And at that time, that felt like I just sold out Oracle Arena or <laughs> right. like Madison Square Garden right. or something. You know what I mean? It felt like a big deal and it felt real. And so that was that was the first moment you're like, man, this is really connecting with people. For sure. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I want to jump to one of my favorite songs. Um, you've collaborated with so many people. Obviously, this one, No Limits, Cardi yeah, B, yeah, ASAP yeah. Rocky, a couple of people I know, a um, couple of great artists. And uh, there's a lot to play, a lot to talk about. But let's jump to No Limit and we'll come back and uh, talk to Jeezy about second, third records and what's to come. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. We're listening to Lips LA Radio. I'm Scott Lips. We're here with Jen and the one and only Jeezy. What's up, my brother? Just chilling, man. Enjoying, enjoying life. Awesome. Well, your third record came out in December, and I know we're jumping ahead, but take us to kind of your first record, your second record, to where you're at now. You've headlined a ton of festivals. You've got a bunch of collaborations out there, a bunch of products and and you know brand collaborations you're working on too. What's super inspiring to you now? Like, what's next? And there's so much ahead of you, right? It's an exciting time because it's wide open. You know what I mean? Like, I just finished the cycle, basically, for that third album. I was on tour for the better part of eight months. And I just got home, you know, a couple weeks ago. And uh, anytime you come off the road, it's a little disorienting, right? Because it's like... like culture like, shock. It's, it's culture shock. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Um, you know, on tour, it's like every night is Saturday. Yeah. You know, because literally every night is Has to be an Saturday. event. You know what I mean? And you are the entertainment of yeah. that event. And after the show, there's usually another paid, you know, after party that you have to pull up to. And yeah. then, you know, the very next day you wake up, hopefully not too hungover. And yeah. 
you know, it's all there again. You yeah. know what I mean? And that like, well, you get days five off? nights a week. I, I mean, really. we don't take as many, I think, as most people like I've just always been a really hard worker. And you know what I mean? The way we built it, I got accustomed to like a level of work ethic and grind and like grit that like. So, I mean, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah, and definitely. Is important, but are you going to the gym and everything on the road or not really? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. This tour, <laughs> this tour, we oh had a God. we had a whole trailer full of like workout stuff. Oh, you did? Like, okay. Like, press, cool. Like we had two like basketball courts and like you know a bunch of weights, and it was so funny because it really looked like a prison yard. Like all the everybody's security on tour, every big bodyguard and dudes like just, you know, just pumping iron all day in the parking lot. Like you traveling there, with like, a basketball court. Yeah, just the, like the little driveway. Oh, right, right, cool. up. Right, we right. just put it all in the trailer, and it's cool. just like it was for me. It was like a good balance to try to stay active, stay physical, like break yeah. a sweat during the day. You got to kill a you lot know. of time on tour, right? It's a lot of yeah, sitting around. Yeah, yeah. It's, there can be a lot of hurry up and wait. It's a lot of downtime sometimes. And your new record, let's talk about the beautiful and damn that came out um, just in December. I mean, let's talk about the writing process now because you're collaborating with a lot of artists. I mean, even in the past mm-hmm. year. You know, there's been so many artists you've collaborated with. Do you prefer to write alone? Do you have, you write with your producer? Or do you like to collaborate with it people? All, it all depends. I have my like close knit circle. Yeah. What's that know, like? like? Tell me about the writing process for you now, yeah. as opposed to when you my had like. My producer is named Dakari. He's like my second set of ears. He's like my partner in sound. Like anything I do, like you know, goes through him. Cool. Like so, you know, I'll work with him on the production sometimes. Um, you know, he records all my vocals, mixes everything. And he knows me creatively as as well as anybody ever has. And then it's like, you know, one or two of my closest friends who, like, I just bounce ideas off of. And, you know, going in there, like, with the people that you're used to working with has just become, you know, my routine. But I think one of the dope things about Ascending is having that platform that you dream of, especially when you're young and starting out, of, like, being able to be like, yeah, if I wanted to reach out to, you know, you name it, you know, that I'm a fan of, like... I could do that yeah. you know what I mean and I'm either on their radar or I'm friends with them or I know them or I've met them somewhere that like you could get to, I mean being a kid you're like yeah I want to send this to so and so I mean yeah right now you got, you <laughs> got like gonna send it to like, you got like Drake on speed dial now <laughs> I see yeah, I saw his show the other night it was amazing but you came up on stage with him right I know no we've done that before but, okay I thought yeah. I saw that you came on stage with I him just, I just I just wanted to go I got there and LeBron walked in like a couple minutes after I did and he like he was walking up and I started getting nervous and he made a beeline to me and I'm like, is he looking at me? <laughs> is he looking at the guy on my shoulder? And he was like, yo, gee, man, I just want to say much love, man. You're doing your thing. Like, good shit, man. Keep going. Keep going. I love it. You're like looking and around. I was like, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> uh, nah, but that was super dope. Just like anytime somebody like that shows up and then Hove walked in five minutes later and like the same exact thing and I was just looking at my hand like, man, I'm never washing this. Um, I love hearing these stories because we've had a bunch of good people. We had like the Anthony from the Chili Peppers and the guys mm-hmm. from Kiss from only the other day and everyone has people they look up to. Yeah, nah. So I love hearing I, those stories. I, think, I don't know, man. Sometimes it's less likely in hip hop. Sometimes ego gets in the way of <clears throat> allowing yourself to just be a fan still. Yeah. It's okay. It's a great thing to be a fan. Totally. You know, and like I've, you know, I've been a, I've been a basketball fan my whole life and obviously a hip hop fan and, you know, I still always will be. I look up to the people I look up to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Who I respect for whatever reason that they've done in their lives or they've contributed. So Is there a LeBron collaboration coming up? <laughs> Maybe you never know, man. I man. told him he should have shot the shot at, at the when Drake does the half court yeah. shot for whatever. That would have been funny. Yeah. So, is there anybody that you haven't collaborated with that you're like, hey, whether I mean, it's Drake or whether yeah, it's not Drake is just like LeBron I mean, for sure, for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Drake is. 
I've actually known Drake for a really, really, really long time. My manager was his tour manager forever. Oh, cool. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, like getting to meet him really early on and, you know, keeping up a relationship. And I just, you know, talked to him after the show and told him, like, man, like, I don't even know what to say anymore because it's <laughs> right. like, it's 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 so brilliant and it's been so brilliant for so long. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. He never really, like, dips down or loses a step yeah. you know what i'm saying it's just like consistently Everything he does way up there. yeah yeah and it's just kind of like it's really unprecedented if you think about it like yeah. his level of success for how long Definitely. so i just told him you know the same thing i've always felt is that thank you for the inspiration you keep giving me Definitely. you know what i'm saying because it's like you keep pushing the boundaries and pushing the envelope of like what you can do in this game yeah. and it's dope that guy can do no wrong he's on fire no wrong, well you're on man. fire too but let's i want to talk about some of your collaborations and just kind of see just reminiscent for a bit, you know, a moment here. Like Cardi B, you work with Cardi B. How was that for you? Amazing, man. I love Cardi. Um, I remember like really early on being a fan of Cardi just because of her her attitude and personality and really what she represented in the culture for just being raw and unfiltered and like, you know, and then when Bodak came and it started to grow and it started to really grow. It's grown I mean? really quickly for her. Yeah, it just, like. it, it went. And it's like, I think what people liked about her was like, was that like like she was raw I, I think a lot of successful artists if you look at them it's like there's a level of iconicness you know an air of like people look up to the people that they admire as like you're a hero who like speaks for me yeah but there's also a level of here like on our level like just a relatability yeah, like yeah. and she is both a superhero and an ordinary person and she's and, real funny and she's real funny and <laughs> yeah. she's real down to earth so yeah. like I don't know. She was cool as hell. Like from the first time I met her to like when I sent her No Limit, she knocked it out like that night. And this is like before like Bodak had gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? At all. And you know what I mean? Now, when you have a song like No Limits, because when I hear it, it's such an obvious hit. Mm -hmm. When you wrote that, were you like, this is for sure. I'm like pretty sure this song is going to be a hit. Me and Rocky made it like in a freestyle. Right. Like he was in the next room working with Playboy Cardi. And Rocky, somebody else I've known, like I remember you guys yeah. mentioned a long time. And um, you know, he just came on like, "Gee, show me what you've been working on." Put that beat on, and you know what I'm saying. And next thing I know, he was like freestyling in a corner, and I was just going off of what he was saying. And you know what I mean? I was like, "Cut that right now!" Like, and he did. And next thing you know, it's like that. And the thing is, you you don't ever know. Don't tell, me, don't tell me you guys wrote that song in five minutes because it's always much, right. Oh pretty much. Crazy, but it's crazy because yeah. sometimes, bro, it's like when you think the least is when the best stuff comes. Yeah, sure. Not to say always. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't advocate like laziness or quickness in any kind of way. Take your time with your craft and perfect it and put the time in. But sometimes like 95% of the work can get done in 5% of the time. And then the last step can sometimes be the hardest is yeah. the polishing and the mixing and the cleaning and the fixing and the fine tuning and all that. But sometimes, well, the best ideas are just raw. What happens? Is there anybody that you're really looking forward to work with this next year or so that you're um, slated hmm. that we can talk about on the air? <laughs> uh, I would love to work with Juice World. I loved his record. That was probably one of my favorite albums of the year, just for like the whole cohesive perspective of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Of like the angle of like the heartbreak and the like the you know sonically and, and melodically and musically and everything it was like incredible and that's like you know I, I just I respect when like an artist can can do like not necessarily like strictly like a concept album but really has something to say from a perspective that you know feels so real and authentic 
and there's a real cohesiveness to the body of work. Definitely. And Jen, you guys uh, got together, what, four years ago, that interview? Like five years five ago. Five years ago, yeah. wow. Yeah, wow. It's gonna be pretty crazy that you see G's ride in this last five years. It happened yeah, our, kind of, seems quickly, but really not, I guess. But. Yeah, it's, um, and it's awesome because you, like I said, I've been doing interviews for like nine years, but there's not many that stay as humble and mm -hmm. as genuine as you. So that's when they said, oh, he's coming. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm there. Like, but it's, it's, our first interview was, you know, just talking about even when he was still technically homeless, but you weren't homeless. Yeah. And Were you just, homeless? <laughs> wow. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Nobody knows about that. Like, when was that? We can stretch it out oh, um, for, 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 I for take dramatization. That purpose, was the real beginning. Which I may have That's at okay. times, but like, yeah, technically speaking, I mean, so I was yeah. living in New Orleans still after yeah. college. My girlfriend at the time was, uh, I think, two years younger than me, like, with school. So he, she hadn't graduated yet, and I was still there, um, just, you know, working on my music. Like, I was paying rent with my spot with her by, like, engineering sessions and selling beats to, like, local rappers and stuff. And, um, like garage just, band beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And waiting for it to hopefully go. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's killing time almost. Like, and um, there came a time when I just like it was my like commit moment, my like jump, my leap of faith or whatever. And I've always been collecting sneakers. Like that's always been a passion oh, of mine. Cool. We're I gonna sold, talk about that. I'm gonna I talk. sold most of my collection on eBay, and I got rid of all my stuff, my furniture, my everything in my apartment, and was basically living out of a suitcase. And I was, I mean, I was, I like, I could crash at my grandma's house. Like, you know, I'd stay with friends when I'd come to LA to work and whatnot, but I didn't have another place for like a year. And in that time, you know, I shot three music videos for $100,000 that I had saved up all my money to do. So I'm talking about all my money to my yeah. name from like touring and independently releasing music. I'd put back into it. Wow. to shoot these videos and record this album. And I was negotiating my deal at the time with RCA. Right. And um, I was a big leap of faith, man. I mean, like... What was in that suitcase? Like YSL? And, uh, <laughs> no Adidas. YSL yet. No Easy YSL or something? Yet. Huh? I think it was probably nudie jeans at the time, yeah. not quite YSL money yet. Well, actually, um, let, let, I do want to talk about your style and fashion because clearly I'm, I've been in the fashion business for many years and we met years ago. You've always had great style. I always tell you, you brought mm. back the toothpick. And, <laughs> you know, I've actually started carrying it. I've actually started like yeah. rocking the toothpick because really? of G. Yeah, I have. I don't know if people. I, I mean, don't you, know, you, got, you got great style. Yeah, so. you. You're another guy that has just like classic, timeless. Like, like what I look for styles like, it's like, I don't know, like if you look through any era or decade of like so many trends come and go but there's always like a timelessness yeah you know what i'm saying that will stick around and you've, you've always had that thanks bro. Like where did the toothpick come from i don't I, know i mean i, feel I must like have had some some <laughs> broccoli in my tooth one day and it just never went away yeah, i love that um i do want to jump to uh, a song that you did with black bear which i really like uh 90210 oh, yeah. and uh we'll come right back you listen to lips la scott lips and jeezy and jen what up, it's Black Bear, and you're listening to Scott Lips on Lips LA. Hey guys, you're back. You listen to Lips LA. We're with the one and only Jeezy. Hey, my man, so tell me the Beautiful and the Damn, this record that just came out. Tell me the uh, the meaning behind the album you know, title, and, and let's talk about the record a little bit. The meaning was just kind of like the duality of the lifestyle that comes along with this. You know, you have this dream, you're this kid who like aspires for the stars, you know what I mean? You move to the land of the stars, which is Hollywood, and you, you live amongst the stars, and you know i mean it's a cliche at this point of the celebrity blues and the you know what i mean what comes with it but it's a reality of like this crazy tornado that 
you know this town can be like right. and how crazy LA and Hollywood specifically and the lifestyle that comes along with it and the overindulgence and the excess of like you like living here you think you're gonna I stay mean it's here? a love-hate thing sometimes yeah. I'm like I gotta get the hell out of Hollywood I just gotta go back home and give me a simple life in the bay and just like chill <laughs> yeah. or I gotta move to a cabin in Montana or something to get the hell away and then I mean other times it's like listen like LA is the land of dreams man it's the land of opportunity and you can't take that for granted because people from all over the world like dream of being able to come here and like because it's a place that it can happen yeah can, technically it's still hard as hell and it's yeah. crowded and it's like everybody's you know chasing the same thing but you can come here and like make a real a real dream like definitely. actually come true and that's kind of crazy so you know and uh, do you ever think about living other places or is it just yeah, like, i mean i've always wanted to live in new york oh yeah i would pick that's your brain mentioned. as to where to go yeah but i've Got always it. dreamed of like getting a loft in like les or soho or something i could definitely see you living there yeah, yeah and yeah. also inspiration wise there's a lot of inspiration in new york you Absolutely. walk around the streets there and i'm sure you're coming up yeah. with a lot of inspiration where are you drawing inspiration from these days it's when you're on the road and you're like or is it from heartache because a lot of people heartache no, is i mean heartache so. is 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 you know, going to be a theme in music for right. as long as, you know, people music. will be heartbroken and <laughs> right. creatives will go through that, you know, so that's there, you know, the, 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 the polar opposite of it as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like sadness leads to a lot of good lyrics, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, man. You know, a lot of creatives live this, um, you know, you kind of like you put yourself into your work and sometimes you got to go through a lot of shit, you know, for the sake of like creating great art you know what i'm saying True. and to be able to channel your pain and put it into like an actual like tangible thing that other people can experience sometimes you have to suffer what you go through to be able to tell that story for those other people who don't have the microphone or platform or ability to say so you give them the words you give them the like the piece of music that you know speaks for them so yeah yeah and i think a lot of young kids that are growing up really look up to you i mean if you had to sort of say hey man this is the way that i did it i stayed really true to who i was and you know i really listened to the people around me and trusted the people and but also listened to my heart is there anything that you kind of want to that you like to give out message wise to those kids that are trying to do what you're doing because obviously you're a big inspiration for a lot of kids that want to get into hip-hop yeah just just stay true to yourself man and just like you know, you can, you will only put on earth to be you. You can't right. try to be anything that you're not or anything, but just like, think, especially <clears throat> in hip hop, almost want to like morph into what will work or what's relevant or what's going to sell or something like that. Or like that there's like some strategy or something like that. But at the end of the day, like, I was talking to somebody earlier about this today. I think today's era is like, you know, there's more transparency than ever. You know what I mean? There's no like Wizard of Oz. There's no curtain hiding right, right. what's going on in show business behind the scenes yeah. or something like that. Definitely. Maybe that's social media. That Maybe that's just the era we live in of like, there's nothing to hide and people will spot the bullshit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you're either, you're either pure, you're either 100% you and you're authentically honest and everything or people will spot the bullshit. And I think like, you know, there's never been a time more than now where it's like just being yourself and telling your own life story and everything like that is, you know, more how, okay than ever. How do you discover new music? Is this, I mean, is it always through like Spotify? <laughs> through people sending you shit? Yeah, just Spotify related artists and radio yeah. stations and stuff like that. And just, you know, yeah, people sending me stuff. Who do you like now? That's obviously Juice World, right? Yeah. But like, is there a, other artists that you're like, man, this is one of the best records that no one heard this past year? Well, that's that's about, I think it's amazing. I've been listening to lately. Mm. <clears throat> Every time somebody asks that, it's weird. It's like, it's like you draw a blank, like right yeah. when you think about it, and you get on your phone later, and you're like, oh yeah, I wish I would have talked about that. Yeah, I don't know, man. What, what are you listening to? to? 
Man, I, I like, um, <clears throat> I mean, there's some good stuff out there. I like this band called Greta Von Fleet. They yeah. sound exactly like Led Zeppelin, but exactly. Um, like exactly, like not even like, yeah, that's crazy. it's almost identical, but I think they're cool. Um, I'm just looking for stuff. I mean, I, I like to, I search out, you know, some obscure stuff sometimes, but I think that's the one, um, I make playlists all the time. I'm constantly yeah. making playlists and yeah. your songs. Share some of them with me. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really into like discovering new artists. I have a whole playlist that I can share with you afterwards. Okay. And um, tomorrow night you're playing the Hollywood Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I think it's with our, our board, Charlie Puth and a few other people. It's mm-hmm. uh, the AMP Radio 6 Annual We Can Survive, right? Yeah. What's yeah. that all about? Uh, man, I mean, I'm really excited. Anytime a bunch of artists come together like that, and um, I mean, the Hollywood Bowl is the Hollywood Bowl. You know, it's like every time I get to touch a legendary stage like that, and you think about the history of, you know, of everybody who's ever played it, and you know what's gone on there. I, I really like believe that certain spaces have like a memory of energy and a memory yeah. of like you. You know, you walk into a certain house and it's got a feeling, a vibe, an energy of like. You know, whatever. It's like stages are like that for me. And, you know, I think about how many places from big to small or whatever, like, you know, in, in the history that they contain and like how special that is sometimes, man. It's like, it's, it's awesome. That's a pretty epic place to play. By the way. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty yeah. epic. The coolest thing was when I headlined Oracle Arena. Because that's like the Oakland Arena. Oh, right. Where, um, that's like coming home for you, It's like right? where the Warriors play, yeah. yeah. And doing that, like your mom was front row, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a lot. She was a lot closer than when I was a kid. She used to take me to Warrior games, like for Christmas. Like we'd we'd, we'd go to one game a year, and you know we'd usually go see Kobe. And uh, you know, being way up in the nosebleeds, and, right. you know, I'd barely be able to see him, but I'd be like, "Yo, that's him. He's yeah. like in the building. That's really like Kobe in real life. Like that's crazy." So now you're on the court. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, so your best gig, you have the best gig that stick, you know, kind of, hey, this is the yeah. gig. Is it the Oracle? Was that I mean, the that, one that, that, for that you? was for sure up there. Maybe Lollapalooza um, or something like that. Lollapalooza was insane. Coachella, yeah. like when I did that a couple years ago, I brought out Lil Wayne and that was like, I think the only time he touched the Coachella stage. Wow. And, um, you know, it's crazy. I toured with Wayne. He was like one of the first summer, artists, right? One of the first, yeah, but I'd never met him. Oh, wow. It was like, <laughs> nobody talks to Wayne or right. sees Wayne. He's, Unless he, he wants like, to talk He's to literally you. like a mythical, like, like dragon. Like <laughs> nobody sees him except when he's on stage. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. And um, he's just that rare. He's yeah. just that like legendary. He's just that weird. He's just... You know that, um, but he must have picked you to open up for him. So yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he knew all about it. But you, like, right. just hadn't like one on one. Right, right. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, the probably the first time I shook his hand, like, was him walking out on my All stage at Coachella. Because I didn't get to talk to him before the show started. Um, he was like coming in on a jet, and like, I mean, when you get Wayne, you get Wayne on Wayne's time. That's right. just you get what you get. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I was walking on stage as so I was like, "Is he here yet?" And they're like, "No." Oh. Not until he gets off. The I was plane. like, "So what the?" am I gonna do and they're like well we'll give you a thumbs up you know <laughs> if he gets here on time and I'm like oh my god so like all through the show I keep looking over at them like my guys on the side to give me the thumbs up and like they're like, oh. <laughs> and when they finally gave me that thumbs up I was like yes Wayne's here and like bringing him out that was that was super special for me just for like I mean I moved to New Orleans 2007 Carter 3 dropped 2008 yeah. you know and if you remember you know the magnitude of like Wayne's biggest thing on the planet you know what I mean and being in the city that he's from living there and just you know being so inspired by one man's impact on culture like you know to get to like at that point I'm just a kid with like stars in my eyes like dreaming of like ever being able to like 
touch this air yeah. but then ascending and like being able to bring him out on that stage and like all that you know incredible sure. that's awesome and let's talk on i actually want to jump to him and i for a minute talk about your collaboration with halsey on this song how did that come about obviously yeah. you guys are together but talk about the song for a bit right I yeah mean, was, was it like pretty cool working with yeah, her yeah and no, i was just a you know organic die romeo and juliet yeah. you know what i mean and we did it like really early you know when we first started dating and that you know crazy in love honeymoon kind of like energy and phase and all that and this song is just like a time capsule you know for us and our relationship where we were you know of a moment in time you know and the energy and i think we shot the video really quickly after we did it and the video was just like you know like literally like a homemade video right. just like us in new york for a weekend like staying at this loft and um yeah it'll always be that you know what i mean no matter what like as like that moment in time. And I think that's a really dope thing about, you know, music and this music specifically when it's like a story or when it's like, you know, about something because music is attached to memory, like like smell is or right. like something, you know, like places and it'll bring you back to that time in your life when you listen to it. And I think it's dope that a lot of people get to have that relationship with that song. Cause for them, maybe it was made them think of you know their significant other Definitely. you know and they felt like a like they identify with that song kind of thing is know? there a new, more music maybe that you guys are going to do coming up yeah, yeah 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 cool. no we made some new stuff um, already yeah oh yeah, cool yeah, yeah can we hear it um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i had a so all all summer long i had a, a my bus that i like have my like that i live in sleeping or whatever but i had a studio bus as well that i would like go on and like I would work every night after the show and I brought my producer Dakari on tour with me and that was like his bus that he just like, oh, cool. you know, I got to work out of every day and I was making a ton of music all summer and me and her did some stuff and it, you know, it sounds incredible. Awesome, man. You have a new song out with YG, right? Mm-hmm. Endless Summer Freestyle? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was just, you know what I'm saying? Me and him just having fun, just like, just talking shit. Cool. Well, I want to jump to that song. We're going to jump oh, yeah. to Endless Summer Freestyle. With Jeezy and YG, and we'll be right back. You listen to Lips LA Radio with Jeezy. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Let's talk about um, last but not least branding. And you got your own whiskey. Um, I was just talking yeah. to your partner a while ago. So how did that come about? And what, what else you got cooking on that space any, too? Anything you attach your name to, you know, it should be like honest and authentic. I think in my mind. Um, Otherwise, like I said, people call bullshit. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. We don't live in an era of drink this because I'm telling Black you to. And, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, come on. It's like it's authentic. My, you really drink that. that. It's so funny. My homegirl had the best Halloween costume last year. You can steal this if you hear it. But like she walked around as an Insta- Instagram girl and she had like yes. a flat tummy tee. She had like <laughs> like the the, the, um, the 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 flower crown like filtered yeah. thing, whatever as like on her head. She had like a whole like it was amazing. Hashtag ad. Um, <laughs> That's pretty nah, funny. Um, nah, but like, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, because basically I think we live in an era where like we monetize relevance, cultural right. relevance now, you know what I mean? And as long as you're relevant in culture, like you can, there's a lot of ways that you can monetize in avenues through, you know, social media and everything. But um, I just like, I don't know, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to ex- like explore something in that entrepreneurial space and you know get into the spirits business but i wanted it to count i wanted it to matter i wanted it to like to be authentic and true so and did, did brad bring that to you or did you already have yeah that no I, I was a fan of the brand cool. and they were already moving you know what i mean and i yeah. met him maybe two years ago now um you know and just kept building with him but still didn't do the deal right away kept, right. kept building and growing 
and then finally finalized the deal what, a year and a half ago, something like that. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, and uh, so it's authentic. I mean, you're drinking it every yeah, night. It's like something you're really yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. But you drop uh, you drop some other stuff too, right? I feel like you worked on some other collaborations because I saw that documentary, and I feel like you're working on what else were you working on? I mean, that's that's been my main focus. Um, you know, and one of the things that I was like most proud of um, when I came, you know, into the fold was um, helping develop uh, what we call black bourbon. So I saw the red cans and I was like, all right, we got to paint a black. That's cool. We got to do a black one and we got to do like a real bourbon. And, you know, going through the whole process of like tasting and, you know, learning about the process of making it and then looking at all the samples of the cans and, you know, feeling the different textures of like the, you know, the different matte options. And then like even down to the cap on it, it's like a heavier weight, you know, of than all the other caps because I wanted it to feel like a premium luxury like offering, you know, just above like the flavored red options. So sitting at Soho House lunches, like literally with like 15 can samples, like all around the table and different caps and everything like that. Just getting into the, like the hands-on, like creative direction of a brand was really exciting for me. And, you know, it's something that I actually, you know, love and enjoy and like live with. You know? Definitely. I think that entrepreneurial spirit is really important these days, especially when you're someone that kids aspire to look up to, you know, you're starting brands, you're using your power and your influence to do some some really cool stuff. So I'm sure there's other things in this space you want to get into. Yeah, Is there yeah. clothing? Do you have clothing? Absolutely. Idea? I'm sure there's so many so things. I had, you know, I had this whole, you know, um, I had this whole project I had done with H&M. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate how it all worked out. Um, but, you know, things just, they happen how they happen. And ultimately, there's, there's certain things that happen in life that I feel like you just... Happen for a reason. They happen for a reason, and yeah. it's a no-brainer, and you just do what's right, and that's yeah. all that matters. Like, yeah. it's just a no-brainer. Um, but, you know, I had helped design this whole line that I was really excited about. It was, a, you know, a whole huge collaboration of, like, a whole collection that I'd done with H&M. And, you know, one thing I've always thought, you know, is dope, you know, ideally is about like being able to bring like good design and like, you know, the inspiration of like what I would wear, but make it accessible and affordable, you know, to the world. I didn't grow up with any money. Like I couldn't afford the, any of the nice stuff that I like, you know, get to wear now, yeah. you know, but being able to take that like design, like sensibility and make it affordable and reach the world. That's like a really cool thing to be able to be a part of. So, you know, we shot this whole campaign. It was going to be this whole global thing that wow. was huge. And like, you know, would have done a lot for my career and all this. And, you know, I found out about the whole thing like two days before mine was supposed to go wow. live. And it was like crazy a timing. Right? One. It was crazy timing, yeah. but better two days before than two days after. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But I mean, something else along those lines, you know, I would definitely be open to and would love to explore, you know. Cool. I'm sure you would. Is there anything that you're super passionate about that people out there wouldn't know? I always like to ask that question. I feel like it's, uh, Something that like no one knows that GEZ is passionate about playing the flute. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> no, I, um, I'm trying to think, man. Um, it's always when people put you on the spot, you can't think of those. Things, yeah, right? yeah. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty autobiographical in my music. You cool. know, that you know, I love so no coming. vintage cars, no. I, vintage you know, I love driving my '65 Mustang when I'm home. Cool. It's a fastback. That's awesome. my baby. I've been neglecting her lately. I, I got a Ferrari a year ago and. To, it's 48 just murdered out it's completely the Batmobile and I love I love driving her a lot too sometimes I neglect the Mustang awesome. um, I love all Mustangs they're not that easy to drive but I love them yeah For but me. they're reliable so my yeah. uncle who I looked up to my whole life who played guitar and you know a bunch of rock bands um, 
uh, he drives a 66 white coupe Mustang. Oh, cool. And, you know, being a kid looking up to him, imagine I was like, you know, the car of my dreams. So the first car I got, like, because, you know, I, I basically, like, I didn't have a car, you know, at 16, 17, 18 or whatever. I didn't yeah. have a car in college. Like, and by the time the music started taking off, I was spending all my time on tour. So I didn't get a car until I was like 26, 25, okay. 26. And that was that Mustang. So. My baby. That feels good, right? After all, you're starting almost homeless yeah. and now having the car. That's awesome. Technically. <laughs> so, this dramatization. Yeah. So 2019, I just want to, uh, in closing, I kind of want to talk about your next year ahead. So you have more tours lined up and stuff like that? I mean, I, I toured most of all of 2018 and I like to kind of like A-B it. Like I'll take a year to tour, I'll take a year to record, I'll take a year to tour. And, you know, I think it's a little more exciting that way when they have to wait to get you. Special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, so I'm just excited, man. I just got home two weeks ago I think from everything I took a little vacation after tour I'm home I just got my house redone cool. I'm like excited to just like be a person Chill. and just live yeah, yeah it's kind of but nice. it's not like you can't if you go out in public people come up to you all the time so it's not like you can yeah. just chill really you have to stay at home to chill right yeah yeah, 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 yeah it's cool yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like Netflix is, it, right. is there any place you're excited to go next tour that you didn't hit this time like Tokyo or any place I actually there? love Tokyo it's my favorite I, spot I love, in the whole world it's, it's I'm obsessed beautiful. with it yeah it's beautiful I went for we the very first time Tokyo notes absolutely please please yeah. please I got a crazy Tokyo story, but anyway. Um, yeah, no, tell it, tell it, because I want to hear so it. So I was there for the very first time, and we planned a couple off days, because they all knew, like, you know, of all places, that's the city that I was. And I'm shocked at how, like, it's one of the biggest, like, cities population-wise, but so clean and yeah. quiet, and everybody's so respectful. And when you shop, you give me a credit card, and they hand it back to you. Like, I love it. You know what I mean? They're yeah. so nice there, and yeah. just the culture of, like, respect is so big. But anyway, so we've been walking around all day, and, you know, we're all carrying, like, five shopping bags each, like, went everywhere and we're exhausted and it's like eight o'clock something i'm like i tell my assistant at the time like yo uh can you yelp some sushi like find the best spot within walking distance and we're walking around for like 15 minutes and can't find the spot and i'm about to give up and um i'm just like exhausted and we finally find it you like go down these stairs into this underground spot and like the poor lady who's like working there felt like bombarded by like 12 like hooligans like barging into her like beautiful spot and i had no idea that it was like other than Jiro Dreams of Sushi, that dude, this yeah. is like the second I most I famous get in spot. There. I yeah, yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the second most famous spot, apparently, as, as of like I was reading and whatever. And they happen to have two cancellations that night, which wow. never happens. And it's like usually like a six month wait. And we just happen to get Amazing. in. And we just, we, we did the like let him do yeah. everything. What's the mean? place I called? Leave. I'm, I gotta find the name. I can't remember it. Oh. But like, he's, it's literally the best meal of my life. Like, wow. I could have cried this damn. Sushi was. I'm like, I, it's fish and rice though. I didn't get it going in. I'm like, like, how can it be that good? It's that it's good. That good. Yeah. It's insane. It's actually, if you don't eat certain things, it's not respectful. So the, my yeah. first meal there, they started serving me like really weird things, and I had to. I got a bowl of soup, and I would throw the fish in the soup because I didn't want to disrespect them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm like, it's do you not, like uni? I like uni. I like it all. I mean, I just yeah. I had so much cool food in Japan. It was such a cool spot, and the, they're so respectful. Nobody talks yeah. on the subway. It's, it's silent. Crazy it's quiet. so cool. It's crazy. It's actually quiet. my favorite place. You ever been there, Jen? I have, but I was just thinking about how I'm like the worst Asian because I don't like sushi and I don't wow. like. Wow. Asian. Okay. <laughs> Not even there. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to change some uh, Spotify playlists and Tokyo notes. So, please, uh, please, please. Definitely, definitely. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on, G. Hell You've yeah. had an incredible run. I, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you coming so. on and everything. And uh, yeah, guys, check out Jeezy's next tour coming up and his new record coming out sometime soon. This is Lips LA on Dash Radio. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. 
Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In Lauren Lake's courtroom, there is no nonsense. Just results. Mr. Jackson, you are the father. <laughs> Live it, own it, be it. You see it? Listen to Lauren Lake's Paternity Court on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast 